It's loud, I know. Hey, we're going to get started. Yeah, I'm going to. We're going to get started with the Holy Spirit breakout session. Um, if you guys are in the lobby, you can hear me. We are starting our session, our 3 o'clock session. Feel free to come on in. Um, but for those of you who are here, you are in the right place. Uh, but you will quickly realize that I am not Anthony Saladino. If you look at your programs, that's not me. Thank you. My name is Jackson Maxey. I work on staff alongside Anthony. Anthony's my campus director. Uh, I've been running alongside Anthony since 2011 as a freshman. And my wife and I, we now serve with Anthony on staff. And so we're super uh, honored and blessed to run alongside Anthony. And I'm, I'm very honored to, to step in uh, this afternoon and teach this class on the Holy Spirit. Uh, today we're going to talk about really a myriad of things. And, and there's a lot that we're going to go through. This is really going to be a teaching, um, and so if you have notes, please take notes. We're going to run through uh, tons of scripture. I won't be able to dive into all of it. Uh, we're, we're just doing snapshots, but what I want from the onset is that you would test all that I say. We're talking deep theology here this morning or this afternoon, and there's so much to it. But I hope that as you uh, hear what we talk about today, that your heart will be stirred to, uh, I love the Bereans in scripture, that they, they heard the words that Paul could preach to them, and then they went and studied them. So we're going we're gonna to look into um, today the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to talk about the subsequent work of the Spirit, or the infilling. And we're going we're gonna to talk about what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer. From the onset, I want to address uh, four questions, if you can go to the next slide. These questions are, what is the biblical evidence for a subsequent work of the Spirit? What is the biblical evidence that points to a definitive assurance as to whether we're in fact baptized in the Holy Spirit? And what is the physical evidence for the baptism of the Holy Spirit from Scripture? And why should it be important for us today? Before we get started, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Spirit of Jesus, we love you. God, we just thank you for who you are. Lord, I just thank you for everyone in this room. Lord, we just ask that right now you would cause our hearts to, to burn for you. Lord, you give us an earnest hunger for you. Lord, we ask that um, you would... You, you, you would Illuminate scripture. You as a spirit of wisdom and revelation, God, that you would teach us of what it is in scripture that, 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 that there is afforded to us. And, and God, that there be a hunger, a genuine hunger for all that you have. Lord, I just bless uh, these guys. I bless their weekend. And I bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. In Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, the Israelites, really the southern tribe of Judah, they have been in exile. I'm sure some of you guys are familiar with this. They're in Babylon, and it is not good. The book of Ezekiel is probably not one that you want to stumble into. Um, that might be better suited for, like, the Psalms, okay? Ezekiel's, Ezekiel's pretty rough, and, and, and there's a lot of uh, judgment and pronouncement up front, but on the back end, there's restoration, there's redemption. I love the prophetic writings because an example of a random other one is Amos. Nine chapters of Amos, and it's bleak, and then you get to the last five verses, and there's redemption. And where we're at right here in Ezekiel, we start to get into some of these redemptive pictures. The Lord says that in these last days, he says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all countries and bring you into your own land. I'll sprinkle you clean with water on you, and you should be clean from all your uncleanness. And from your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. 
Most of you don't know me, but I, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I'm very fortunate. I actually grew up uh, in this tradition, the Assembly of God's tradition. Um, my parents, they loved the Lord. I always went to church, but Christianity really wasn't much more than family heirloom for me. Um, I have a ton of respect for our military, our, arms, our armed forces, and um, the way that I would look at Christian faith is the same way I would look at someone who served. I'd be like, Marines? I love the Marines. Man, I have so much respect for you because you served in the Marines. But, but as for me, no, I'm good, bro. I'm not going to join the Marines. You know, it's a lot of commitment, and I really respect that. But as for me, you know, um, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at. You know, the Air Force, that's great for you. But for me, <sighs> I'm okay, you know. And so it was this family heirloom thing that was kind of passed down. You really respected those who, who took on the charge to really live for Christ in their generation. That was great. But as for me, I had some reservations, and I decided that I was going to kind of cool it. I remember having terrible, really poor theology and saying that I'm going to live my life till I'm about 65. Around 65, I'm going to get right with God, and we're going to sail into eternity together, something like that. I'm really grateful, and instead, in the middle of high school, he really... Uh, began to apprehend my heart, really started pursuing me. Uh, there, there was a series of events, and, and it was really long winded but my sophomore year, I started praying the audacious prayer, God, if you're real, would you change my life? And I just said, well, you know, uh, if you're real, then I just want your will for my life. I thought that it was like blessings and money and cars, and so I just figured that that was a safe prayer to pray. Little did I know that that prayer would change my life, and so... My junior year of high school, I started realizing that God was pursuing me. Uh, that was a really scary and daunting thing. Maybe some of you guys have experienced that. I think that if you guys are here, you most likely uh, have either felt that pursuit or have uh, been on the other side of it, that, that you've now given your life to Jesus. Maybe maybe you're still in the middle of that pursuit. But I, I remember uh, feeling almost uh, fearful is not the right word, but just I was like, the God of the universe, he wants me? And there was a fear and a trepidation to that. I didn't know what to do, and so I just remember I started telling my friends, I was like, well, I think God wants you to get right with him, so um, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to listen to rap no more. I'm going to get right with God. I'm not going to curse anymore. I'm going to get right with God, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go out to, 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 to parties anymore. I'm trying to get right with God. It, it was this, this workspace mentality, but I didn't know any better. I just figured that these things... Uh, we're probably on the other side of things that God didn't want in my life, and so I just, I just said I'll stay away from them. But the more I tried to change, the less I could. And I really realized that pretty quickly. Uh, in the eighth grade, I started watching pornography, and that was uh, there was a rush to that. It was it, it was alluring and it was exciting. But by my freshman year, I remember feeling, knowing I was ensnared. Knowing I was ensnared. I remember I had a conversation with my mom. Uh, I was sitting in the car. She was like, um, you know so-and-so's uh, son? He got, wa he got caught watching porn. Um, you're not doing that, are you? And I was like, um, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and I thought to myself in that moment, bro, we got to get out of here. Like, not out of this car, but like, I got to get out of this. Like, I got to stop this. And the more I try to change the less I could. And so by my junior year, as I tell everyone, hey, I'm trying to get right with God, you could see that my language had changed, my taste in music had changed, maybe the social circles that I'm in have changed, but my interior life has not changed. 
I know deep down inside that there are things that I'm doing that I don't want to do. And I want help. I want freedom. I want deliverance. That lasted, that lasted really the, the majority of my, my junior year. And, and, and at the end of it, April of my junior year, my mom paid for me to go to this youth convention. Didn't want to go, but I showed up. She paid the money. So they have a message. It was, it was really like salt, man. It's just an awesome conference. Everyone's pursuing the Lord. And uh, I'm kind of in the back. You know, I'm too cool to be there. Um, they have a moment of response at the very end. I don't even remember the sermon. And God says, hey, uh, we're going to create like an altar in the front. And if you, if you have something to bring to God, you bring it. And I remember the aisles got packed. Uh, I was probably would have been in this aisle over here. And, and, and midway through, I couldn't even get there. I just got on my knees and I just said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so unworthy to be your son. I, just, I knew the sin of my life. And I just remember recounting all that and, and, and just being so in shame. And the Lord said, no, no. I don't condemn you. I love you. In the midst of my accusation, in the midst of my shame, I felt the Lord come through, and there was love like I'd never experienced before. I remember I began to weep. I never wept like that in my life, and I just felt God's love in, in the most tangible way possible. That weekend was super powerful, and it marked me. Uh, unfortunately, I still walked away from there wrestling. Uh, that was April of that year, July of that year, I was still wrestling. This, this kind of half in, half out, trying to, trying to do right, but it's all really workspace. And I told my friends, every time I tried to still party in the spring, my mom would call me. I knew that the Lord was still pursuing me because he would show up somewhere and there wouldn't be alcohol or there wouldn't be drugs. And I just get really disappointed. And so I, I told my friends and I told the Lord, I was like, on my birthday, we're going to smoke and we will get high. And I prayed. I said, God, please let me get high on my birthday. <laughs> Now it's comedic here, but it's also audacious that like I just I just figured like like he would like be my boy and like help me out like that. <laughs> what ended up happening is that I, I did smoke on my birthday. I did get high. Me and my friends, we did high five. We had a great time, okay? But I woke up the next day and I compared that experience to being in the presence of God. I said, God, if you're real, here comes the same prayer. Change my life. That was a two-minute prayer, and I walked out of that room. Unbeknownst to me, that was the most sincere time that I'd ever prayed that prayer. I said, God, if you're real, change my life. And I walked out of that room. And that summer, everything started to change. I, I was so sincere about that prayer. I remember telling the Lord, I was like, God, if you don't give me new friends, I'm not going to make it. I need new friends. I, I, I love these guys. These guys are good guys, but they're kind of knuckleheads. And if I hang out with them, I'm not going to make it. And I remember that year, the Lord started to change my life. I started going to prayer meetings. This, 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 I, I, I became friends with this girl who started going to all these different prayer meetings, and I really was there for her initially, but the Lord kind of bamboozled me, intercepted me, and so you can tell, like, in this, like, I'm kind of an knucklehead through and through. But the Lord, in this, I started to fall in love with Him, and I remember by the time we were doing college applications, my, my application to James Madison University in Virginia, I didn't even end up going there, but I remember writing, and I was like, I have so much joy, I could go outside and play with rocks. I'm not weeping. <laughs> yeah. And in that moment, it dawned on me. It dawned on me. I was like, dude, maybe I'm saved. I was like, I have love. I have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I, I'm, I'm growing as I'm trying. I was like, dude, I might be saved. 
and this gave me such hope. I'd never experienced this before. I was like, man, maybe this is what, what, what my Christians tell people about their faith. This is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit takes residence in your heart. No one came and confirmed it to me. They gave me a, a ticket and said, hey, brother, you're in. But the Spirit testified within me and said, hey, you changed, bro. And I said, man, I, I ain't changed. It feels good. Today, as we, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, the first thing that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, first he, 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 he pursues us. Yeah, there's a reality that I was awakened to, to understand that God was pursuing me. When I first accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, he took a residence in my heart. We call this the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is what Ezekiel prophesied that the Lord would do. In the book of Ephesians, Paul, later addressing this, he says that, uh, Ephesians 1.13, he says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. When we believe, not only does he, he come and, and, and save us, but he gives us the Holy Spirit as a seal of our guarantee. One way that you can think of this is, is that he, he, he bears witness that this is mine. I thought, I, I heard this before, said almost like a, a king with his signet ring, boom, stamped. You're mine. I take ownership of you. You belong to me. We've been purchased at a price. We're set aside. Another way you can think about it is this, like an engagement ring being handed over or sealed. Um, my wife and I, we've been married almost three years now. When I gave her an engagement ring, on that day I said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to marry you today. You know, but we're gonna we're gonna wait a few months and we're gonna have a party in six months. But but I'm ready to marry you today. There is this there was this this thing of hey, you're mine and I'm yours. I'm not going anywhere. And the Lord, when he when 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 he seals us with the Holy Spirit, it is the guarantee of our inheritance. Romans eight talking about life in the Spirit. If you want a good chapter just to man encourage you, Romans eight talks about life in the Spirit. And if, if you guys want to turn there real quick. I'm actually going to read a little more than what's on the slide there. In the book of Romans, Paul, he outlines probably the clearest, uh, most elaborate, expansive uh, gospel presentation that, that we have in the New Testament. The first eight chapters are all about the gospel, heavy theology, and the last eight are heavy practical. And this is the, the Everest. Uh, we've been waiting eight chapters to get to where we're at. And he opens this chapter and he says, Therefore, in light of, of all that God's done, his salvation, redemption, we're dead of sin, we belong to Christ. Therefore, in light of this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Verse 1. 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. A.K.A., there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus, because God has done what we can never do. He set us free. For those who live according to the flesh, verse 5, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, that's us, we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. For it set the mind on the flesh is death, but it set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, did submit to his laws, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh can't please God. You, however, this is where we're at. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to Him, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Here we see that not only does, does Jesus set us free, He does what we can never do, but He also separates us and, and, and marks us, right? We saw that in, 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 in Ephesians. Moreover, in addition to that, he also dwells within us. We belong to him, and we know this because he set up residence. He sets up residence in our heart. First Corinthians uh, chapter 6 will say it this way. This is talking uh, about really a different context, sexual morality, but it says, hey, don't you know that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit's temple within you, whom you have from God. You're not your own. For you are born of Christ, so glorify God with your body. He dwells in us. This is standard procedure for, for all believers. All believers, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. When you believe in Jesus, day one, Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence, and he begins a sanctifying and cleansing work. He starts conforming you to the image of Christ. There's good news, great hope in that. We believe this to be true. We additionally believe that because of this, we see that there's this this indwelling, when we look at other scripture regarding the Holy Spirit's activity, that there must also be a subsequent work in addition to this indwelling. What we see in scripture is that the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer when they believe as Christ as, as Lord and Savior. And because of this, we can look at scripture and look for evidence for a subsequent work. Bill Johnson, he says it this way. He says that the Holy Spirit is a river inside of us. He is a, as a river inside of us, not a lake. Rivers alter the geography of the land they flow over, and the Holy Spirit wants to do the same through us. It's amazing that God dwells with us, but he also desires to empower us by coming upon us. What he's doing in us, he wants to do out. It's from this understanding of the indwelling that We'll look at passages, uh, the, the next passage that we look at, include, again, that there is more available in the life of the believer than simply an indwelling. What do I mean by that? If you guys can turn over from Romans 8 to Acts chapter 8. Here we pick up in, in the book of Acts, at a time that the Jerusalem church, the church in Jerusalem, is facing some heavy heat. Saul is, is going through, he's, he's, my title in the ESV Bible says, Saul ravages the church. Um, not good. And so they are dispersing. There's intense persecution, and the word of God is actually spreading throughout the region. Ironically, incidentally, it's actually a good thing that they face persecution. And in Acts 8, 14, it says that when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. In this passage, we see that these guys are, are, are believers. The apostles Peter and John received word that, that these guys had, had heard the gospel, received the gospel, they'd been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and yet somehow... Um, we see evidence that there was something missing. Uh, it says that 
for they, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, talking about the Holy Spirit, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, Luke, what do you mean he had not fallen on them? These guys are believers. We say that they have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but again, it seems like there is subsequent activity that has not taken place. Are these guys believers? 100%. Have they been baptized? 100%. So what's, what's missing? I think that there's, there's more. Um, how do I say this? I think there is more that the apostles experienced that they knew that these new converts had not seen yet. And so these guys, they walk from Jerusalem to Samaria. It was a 22-hour walk. Um, that would probably take me two days. I'm not going through the night. And it seems like the church really valued that these guys would have this experience with the Holy Spirit. There's just no doubt that there is a subsequent work. David Guzik, uh, he's a, a commentator, uh, a scholar. He says that obviously there was a subsequent experience with the Holy Spirit that these Samaritan believers did not know about until the apostles came and ministered to them. This experience that we refer to uh, originally can be found in the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter 2, you don't have to turn there, but it's the day of Pentecost. You guys are familiar with it. Jesus tells the disciples, the very end of Luke, he says, hey, wait in the city, wait in the city, and, and, and tarry until uh, power from on high is released, okay? This is the other side of the Great Commission. A lot of us are familiar with the Matthew 20 Great Commission, but Luke, there's a similar one. Luke and Acts, same author, continuous story. He says, hey, wait in the city, okay? And then in Acts, we see why they waited. It says that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, after they'd been praying, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Again, here we know that these are, are, are believers, all 120 of them. They're waiting. They have a relationship with the Lord. They, they, they're believing for a, a move of God. And in this... Uh, moment when they get filled with the Holy Spirit as Peter begins to explain to the crowds that, that saw them, that heard them, what happened, he doesn't refer in terms of prophetic, a lot of, a lot of the, the disciples, apostles uh, would, would look at scripture and say, hey, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said this, and they'd go to Isaiah, or they'd say, hey, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said this, and Peter in this moment, when he gives testimony, bearing witness, hey, this moment right here that we're living in, he doesn't go to Ezekiel, where we looked at earlier, how I will write my laws within you, I'll cause you to walk in my statutes. But he goes instead to the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2, I think it's verse 28. And it says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. This is the, the last day's promise that we've been waiting for. What once was reserved for um, the uh, the elite, the the, the random elite. I, how do you show up and, and 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 you know in the Old Testament we would see the Holy Spirit fall on Moses, boom, and then it lift. We saw it fall on, on Saul, King Saul, boom, and then it lifted. David, and then it lifted. Just for moments, there were moments of power that we would see people operate in, in, in the supernatural gifting of the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit, but it would be for a moment and then lift. You can't, you, how do you, um, like, it's not control or conjure up the Holy Spirit, like, come hang out with me, you know, like, 
Spirit of God. This is for basically the, the, the heroes of the faith of old. And all of a sudden, Joel says, hey, there's going to come a day when the least of these, the young and the old, the rich and the poor, the male and the female, the free and the slave, I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh. And Peter says that in this moment, what we're experiencing is this. I believe that uh, this wasn't a, 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 a reference to the indwelling. Because if we go to John chapter 20, the book of John chapter 20, right as Jesus resurrected, John 19, he's crucified. John 20, there's a resurrection. And as the disciples are scared in a room, they're huddled up, they're nervous. Jesus walks through the doors, excuse me, the walls. He says, peace be with you. And he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Before the book of Acts, before the Pentecost day, they have this encounter with Jesus. And he says, receive. Something that's interesting is uh, Arthur W. Pink. He's an English uh, pastor and church writer. In his book, The Exposition of the Gospel of John, he writes, the Greek word used here is employed nowhere else in the New Testament, but is the very one used by the Septuagint translators of Genesis 2-7. The Septuagint is the Greek Old Testament. Quoting Genesis 2-7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. There man's original creation was completed by this act of God. Who then can fail to see that here in John 20, on the day of the Lord's, of the Savior's resurrection, the new creation had begun by the head of the new creation, the last Adam, acting as a quickening spirit. I believe that what happened in Acts chapter 2 is not the indwelling, but this is the moment of indwelling. But these guys were the ones who received the indwelling in this moment. These guys are saved. They love the Lord. They're waiting for the Lord. And what happens in Acts chapter 2 is what we would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the subsequent work, what happened in Acts 8. Another, another moment we see something similar to this would be in Acts 19. Acts 19, verses 1 through 6, it says, And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what were you then baptized? He said, they said, excuse me, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues. First, they put their faith in Jesus and were baptized in water, which is a public profession of faith. And then Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Something to note between Acts 2 and Acts 19 is that there was a 24-year gap, presumed, between these two instances. And yet Paul is still going around asking, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? When Paul asked, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed, it's interesting. Um, I think Paul probably expected these guys to, to say yes. And in fact, they say, they say no, they don't, even, they don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. And in a short time of not knowing that there's a Holy Spirit, they leave with a definite sign that something just took place. This kind of leads us into um, really my, my third point. If we looked at the first, it was, it was what is was the initial, let's, let's go back to the beginning. You don't need to go there, slide. 
person, friend. Um, number one was, what's the biblical evidence for the subsequent work of the Spirit? Number two is, what's the evidence that points to definitive assurance? We believe that it's this. That when the Holy Spirit comes and falls upon someone, baptizes someone in the Holy Spirit, that there is an initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues with regards to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These guys had no clue what the Holy Spirit was, who he was, what he did. Paul lays hands on them. Supernatural moment. They walk away speaking in tongues. In just a short time, they walk away with a definitive assurance. It's my belief that God wants us to know today whether we're baptized in the Holy Spirit or not. That he desires us to have uh, full assurance, the same way that we have full assurance regarding um, the indwelling of the Spirit, where no one had to tell me that I was saved. I just, I literally was like, dude, I, I just know this for a fact. I just, my Spirit bears witness. And there would also be a moment for us as well where we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt and God has, has, that he has come upon me with power and I'm not the same. When we give Jesus, when we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes out. Things begin to change. We grow in the fruit of the Spirit. We grow uh, in, 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 into the image of Jesus. We're conformed in His image. We don't have to guess if we're children of God. And I just believe, again, that the same applies to this. I've got a, a little graph. So these are some of the passages that, we've, that we looked at today. If you're taking notes, I would highly encourage you to, to look at these, to write them down, take a picture, do what you want. In these passages, we, we see uh, five different instances of uh, you know, supernatural activity, uh, the, the Lord moving, however you want to term it. Um, and, and I'm going to just run through it. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, we see the day of Pentecost. There were supernatural sounds, sounds of wind, supernatural sight. Tongues of fire, supernatural language. Uh, Acts 8, this is a story um, of the Samaritans, right? The Samaritan believers, and Peter and John go to them. And there was actually a man named Simon, Simon the magician. He sees what happens with these guys as they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says, um, how much? Trust by the Holy Spirit. Peter rebukes him. Something happened in that moment that this guy, clueless to belief in Christ, clueless to the faith, looks over and says, I don't know what just happened, but I want that. How much? Okay? Something supernatural probably took place. There's no, there's no reference to it. That's why there's a little question mark. I'll just kind of leave that there. Uh, but something happened that this man wanted to purchase the Holy Spirit. How did he show up? I don't know. But there must have been something uh, definitive. Uh, there must have been something uh, external that they said, hey, uh, that right there. I, I want that. Acts 9. This is Paul's conversion. Uh, no reference to tongues in this passage. However, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul will say to the church in Corinth, as he's given uh, parameters and, and, and guidelines for, for speaking in tongues, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Right? So, this guy. Uh, so so, so he, he speaks in tongues more than everyone. We don't see the moment where he's baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we, we can see in, in Acts 9 uh, that, that when uh, Ananias prayed for him, and he received the Spirit. It says that he laid his hands on him. He received the Spirit, and, and the scales fall off his eyes. Something must have taken place. Acts 10, this is uh, the story of Cornelius. Cornelius is the Roman centurion, the first Gentiles who believed. Peter goes over to their house. He starts praying for these guys. They start speaking in tongues. Jewish believers were astonished that the Gentiles would receive 
the gift of the Spirit. He was accompanied with, with, with supernatural uh, tongues. And so in that moment, they say, well, how can we deny these guys with water? These guys obviously have the Spirit. It's, it, it's very obvious. And in that moment, this was evidence for the Jewish believers that something supernatural had taken place. And lastly, Acts 19. We just looked at this. This is when Paul places his hands on new believers and the Holy Spirit came and they prophesied. These are five different occasions, uh, three of which we have definitive, um, uh, they're accompanied definitively with tongues. Other two, it can be presumed. Um, you know, we're, we're unsure what we saw. But regardless, we see that the norm in Scripture is that when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, tongues accompany them. So why tongues? Why tongues? First Corinthians 12 will outline nine gifts of the Spirit, nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Uh, if you go to Romans 12 and verse, you'll also find some other gifts of the Spirit. But when we talk about gifts of the Spirit, we're, we're normally referring to 1 Corinthians 12. And there are nine gifts uh, running through them. It's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, uh, gift of faith, gift of healing, gift of working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. So different kinds of tongues is, is what we normally will talk about what happens in, at, at the moment that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Out of nine, one out of nine, um, do, you know, do you guys know what that decimal is? I looked it up, so I'm not like a math whiz. 0.11, so 11%. So 11% out of these gifts, out of the gifts of the Spirit, 11% have to do with tongues. Um, so what's the big emphasis on tongues? The big emphasis is that, that, that this is, uh, according to 1 Corinthians, it is for the upbuilding of the believer. The gifts of the Spirit ultimately are for the empowerment of the church, the empowerment of our witness. But I just believe that God is so good that he wouldn't give us all of these um, productive giftings and leave us, exclude us one that would, would build us up. I'm not God's salesman. He doesn't need me to do evangelism for him. He doesn't. He wants to do something, he'll do it himself. I genuinely believe that. He created the world and the cosmos, six days, rested on seventh. If he wants productivity, he'll do it himself. But he invites me. And in that, he gives gifts. And in those giftings, there's one for me, just for me, to build me up, because he loves me. When we look at the gifts of the Spirit, these are for the empowerment of our witness, for the building of the church, they're for mobilization. But God is so gracious that he wouldn't just give us an arsenal of gifts and, 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 and to, to deplete us spiritually. But he gives us one. Guaranteed he gives us one that would build us up. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, The one who speaks in the tongue builds himself up. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Therefore, the person who speaks in the tongue builds himself up. And this is what makes the gift of tongues unique. Another thing that makes tongues unique is uh, Romans 8. Romans 8 will talk about teaches, he, he, he prays on our behalf. He intercedes when we don't know what to pray. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray for, what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of God. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You want to pray the perfect will of God? I do. Pray the Spirit. First Corinthians 2 will say, No one knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit inside that man. 
so also no one knows the thoughts of God except apart from the Spirit of God. You want to pray the perfect will of God? Pray in the Spirit. You have friends and family who you want to see get saved? Pray in the Spirit. And I can't tell you how many times I, 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 when I first got saved, those knuckleheads, I loved them. My friends, I loved them. I loved them. My neighbor, uh, some other buddies, I had some friends, man, I just, I, I just prayed for them years and years and years. And I remember I would start to pray in the Spirit, and I'd get these, I'd get just, like, uh, it almost felt like battleship when you hit the target. I just, I just knew that I was on something, man. I would pray for my buddy, and I knew that his mom was sick, and like that was the reason why he started going to these things. Or at a friend, I just felt like a hunch from the spirit that he was riddled with fear. Like there are things that, in my own, uh, they could have been good assumptions, but when I started praying in the spirit, God would just—I almost felt like it was downloads. The things that I would—I don't know these things for, for certain. It was like these these words of knowledge, but as I'm praying in the spirit, it was like wind came behind my prayer life, and I started to to to, to really—it was almost like. Sprint in the place of prayer. You ever show up to the place of prayer and you're kind of like, um, God, I'm just thankful for you and just grateful. That's good. I, 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 and, and the earnest prayer, I love it. I really do. I'm not trying to diminish it. But I think a lot of us sometimes we get discouraged in the place of prayer because we're like, God, I don't even know what to pray, dude. I'm out. You know? We pray for five minutes and we're like, ah. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. He'll give you download. He, he, he intercedes on our behalf. Hallelujah. I want that. I want him to, to intercede on my behalf. Tongues, Holy Spirit, inspired language, these things are given to encourage us. These things are given to encourage us. I'm, I'm grateful for signs and wonders. I'm grateful for miracles. But on my down days, um, you know, there are days that, sure, it'd be great to pray for someone to get healed, but that might not change what's happening in my life. To be honest, like I'm just selfish. Like it's not going to change what's happening in my life. When I pray in the Spirit, God starts to build me up. Hey, I love you. Identity is restored. Hey, I love you. I, I, you know, you, you're mine. There are moments that the Holy Spirit ministers to me. Sometimes productivity. You ever, you ever like, I don't know, get the, get the all A honor roll and it doesn't, it, it doesn't actually satisfy, it doesn't actually change you. All the externalities don't actually change what's happening on the inside. I'm grateful they didn't just give me a bunch of gifts to, to be productive on the outside, but He, but he gives me something. Lastly, in 1 Corinthians 14, we see that speaking in tongues is a form of praise and thanksgiving. It says that if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll pray with my mind also. I'll sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. I think sometimes um, I try to, again, get in the place of prayer, and I can't shut up. Uh, I just have a lot of my mind. Um, Bob Sorge, he wrote a book called Secrets, Secrets of the Secret Place. It's a great book. Highly recommend it. Really good. In it, he talks about if you do have random thoughts that come up, just write them in a journal, put it aside. You know, don't, 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 don't worry about it. Just put it away, uh, to-do list, boom, put it aside. But there are other times that I just, I get so distracted, man. And as I pray in the Spirit, he gets me to shut up. I'm out of my head. I'm just out of my head. Not in some Buddhist, like, weird way. Like, I just, it's like, like I just, I just shut up. And I get to hear what God's saying. I, I just get the, the, the greatest clarity as I'm praying for, 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 for my friends or for myself. He speaks to me in that moment. My mind is unfruitful, but my spirit is so engaged. 
So if you ever get in the place of prayer and you're like, dude, I just want to, I want to pray. I just don't know how, man. These are the cheat codes. This is it. That the Holy Spirit would come upon you with power and that he would radically change your life from the inside out. The first time that I was introduced to this, um, I probably would say it was in the fourth grade where I, I was sick one time. My mom prayed for me and she started praying in tongues. It's the first and only time that I would hear her praying in tongues until before I left for college. Uh, she was like crazy and nervous and she's like, Lord, please just be with my son. And she like started praying in tongues and I was like, whoa. All right, see you, mom. <laughs> so my experience with tongues prior to this was I understood this to be, I understood it to be authentic and genuine because I saw it. I trust my mom. My mom loves the Lord. Um, but the limited experience, I just thought it was one of these things where, like, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and whoa, bam, you're like, whoa, I never saw that coming. And uh, so I, I, I didn't really know what to expect. And so when I started coming in, into, into these circles, came to Kyle as a freshman, super grateful, and there was teaching on it. Understand that it was accessible. I just got so excited. I was like, dude, I want this now. And I remember um, I was at a, a word in worship. A large group, and uh, um, I just was praying. I was telling the Lord, and you know, fiery freshman. I'm like, God, I just want, I want to do work for you. I just love you. You know, I'm just, I'm just praying. I don't know. And uh, and this guy gets up out of nowhere, and he starts, uh, you know, purpose. Basically, he gave a tongues message, and he gives this tongues message out loud. I've never, I've never seen someone do that in a service before. And then there's the interpretation. Interpretation was if you have something to bring to God, bring it to the front and I'll deal with you. Or something like that. Like the Lord is like, you know, I, I am the Lord. If you have something to bring to the front, come to the front and I, I, I'll take it from you. And I was like, um, okay. So I, I go to the front and I got to run here. And dude, I got like, slammed is probably the best word to. I just, I just want to get to the front, even before I got to the front, just like snotty notes. I was like, <laughs> And uh, just, you know, guys are praying for me. But I remember that mark of my life. I never, I never experienced something like that where it was like, God is in the room. And, and, and it was evident. And I was like, Lord, I want to be used in that capacity. That same year, uh, that, that was probably, I don't know, early, early September. That same year, we go to a far street in October. Anthony prayed for me at that far street that I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I remember as he's praying for me, uh, he, he has hand in my chest. And I was like, oh, um. Hey, I haven't been baptized in water. Does that have anything? He's like, no, that's fine. I was like, oh, okay, good. All right, come on, straight. <laughs> if you've not been baptized in water, you're straight, okay? And, and so he started praying for me. And, and in that moment, there was this, uh, there was something in my chest, man. I just I just felt there was something there, something in the back of my throat. I mean, I just, I just feel I'm like, something's there, man. But I didn't know what the heck to do with it. So I just stayed there. Anthony's like praying for me. He's like, it's there. And I was like, I don't know, man. And so nothing happened in that sense. Nothing happened. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It felt like something was in the back of my throat. Like, I just, I just, yeah. I don't know, you know. But I, nothing happened, so I go home. That's that Friday, Saturday. I come home, and I'm thinking about this day and night. And I stumble into another dude on a, uh, in a dining hall, and I was like, bro, dude, I've been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to get baptized. You know, he's like, all right, man, we're going to do it tonight. And I was like, let's do it tonight. Oh. And he's like, he's like, we're going to go to the chapel, and we're going to go seek God. And I had just read about Genesis 
Uh, Genesis, I don't know, 30, 28, I think it's 28. Jacob wrestling with God in the night, where Jacob says, I will not let go till you bless me. I said, come on, man, let's do it. And so after small group on a Thursday night, no one was there. Me and my buddy, we said, let's do it. Let's go to the chapel. We go to the chapel. It's like six of us. And we saw God, man. And I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was the same moment that happened with Anthony. I'm in the front. I'm praying. And I feel this, this thing in the back of my throat. And I just said, God, here we go. And I just, it was like, it was like, it's almost the best way that I can liken it to. I went to, a, a, there's a hollowed out quarry near our campus that got filled up with rainwater. Now people jump off and it's like, it's like a cliff basically. And the first time I, one of the second, the second time I went there, I went with one of my roommates and he is like a savage and everything, all action sports. And um, he literally went to the edge of the cliff. It's like a 40 foot drop. And he goes, one, two. And he went for it. We're like, oh, Mike, you're a savage. And we were like, what did you do? Like, why'd you do that? And he's like, dude, I knew I thought about it too much. I, I, I wig myself out. I think with the Holy Spirit, we get in our heads so much. And in that moment, that second time, when Anthony was praying for me, first, I, just, I don't know what happened. But the second, I was like, man, no one's here, dude. I don't even care. Lord. And in, in that moment, I started speaking in tongues. And it was like syllables. And it made no sense. But I felt power. Power. That was, that was October, mid-October, and I tell you, man, from there, dude, that year, I was so hungry for God. Coincidentally, around the same time, I started reading the Bible. The Bible started making sense to me. I started memorizing scripture. I started devouring scripture. That year, I read the book of Acts and the book of Romans. I mean, I just devoured scripture. And I don't believe that it's because of righteous living or because it was the right thing to do, but God came upon my life my freshman year, and he met me in such a way that I was never the same. Maybe some of you are in this room, and you're hungry. Maybe this is your freshman year, and you came into college saying, God, I want to know you. I want to pursue you. Do it this weekend. Ask, ask the Lord this weekend, God, I want more of you. I want more of you by any means. Paul in, in, in Philippians 3, 9 says, Oh, that I may know you in the power of your resurrection, that I may share the sufferings become like him in his death, that by any means I may take the resurrection from the dead. I want to know him. And maybe you're here and you're hungry too. Tomorrow we're going to have a breakout. We're going to have another space like this, but instead we're just going to pray. We're going to pray that, that you would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to walk you through. We just believe that God desires to meet each one of you. That our campuses need a gospel witness that has power behind it. I don't just want eloquent words of wisdom. I don't have answers to, 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 to racial divide, political divide. Uh, gender dysphoria, these things that we don't, how do you, give me a book, give me a teaching on it. No, I don't need it. I need, I need a gospel witness with signs and wonders that God would show up in our prayer meetings, in our life group, in our small group, that we would pray for someone and we start praying and prophesying, praying into things that, that we have no knowledge over. When I was a junior, um, I remember, again, the Lord's you know, doing all, all these things in my life, and my buddies, we watched a documentary, and it was uh, by a guy named Darren Wilson. Highly recommend it if you are interested. He's got a series of documentaries, and one of them is On the Holy Spirit. And as we finished the documentary, we're so fired up. We're like, dude, let's go out and, let's go out and share the gospel tonight. You know, it was like Friday at 10 p.m. We're like, we're going we're gonna to do it now. And uh, so we prayed, 
And we, we were just waiting, like, for the Lord to kind of give us guidance where to go. You know, our campus, Virginia Tech is, it's a college town. It's like 30,000 people, so it's big, but not, not huge. So we're trying to figure out where we go. And I got a picture of a, a spot downtown, and then my neighbor gets a spot, uh, you know, a few houses down. He's like, actually, I'm going to go probably pick up to our neighbors. Sweet. So me and my roommate, Monty, I was like, dude, we're going to go there in the first people we talk to. I'm not, I'm not playing games tonight. First people we talk to, we're praying for them. That's it. You know, like, this is it. Because sometimes we go out, and you're just not sure. Are you waiting for, like, the right lovely person, you know? We're like, first person we talk to, we're going to pray for them. As we're walking to the spot that I had in mind, it was this hookah bar. Right as we walk through the doors, or right as we walk by the doors, some people walk out, boom. And we're like, hey, what's up? And they're like, what's up, man? You guys got a light? And we're like, we got a different kind of light. Um, <laughs> so, so we're like, hey, man. We're like, yo, we love Jesus. We love to pray for you. We kind of cut to the chase. And, and this girl jumps in. She's like, I think she's had a little too much to drink. And she's like, it's good that you guys are praying for people. But let me tell you this. No greater love is this than one who would lay down their life for a friend. I was like, what? How do you know that? And she's like, uh, like my grandfather is like a pastor, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what the heck? I was like, that's, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, no greater love than this. Like, um, can we pray for you? You know? Uh, so we started, we started asking these people, can we pray for them? And, and, and so she, this girl, really eager, she's like, yeah, yeah, let's pray. But let's hold hands. And so we're like, all right, whatever. We're praying for these people. And as we're going around, maybe four people, it started this way. As we start praying, I start praying in the Spirit. And I just saw this picture of um, dark, shadowy figures, demonic figures, pressed up against what would have been my face, but I knew that I was in her shoes, okay? And I look at this girl, and I say, Joanna, um, do you ever have night terrors? And she's like, dude, all the time. She's like, I literally get sleep paralysis like almost every night. And these shadowy figures come over my face and I can't move. I don't know how to, I, I can't move. I just feel stuck. And I just looked at her and I said, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for deliverance tonight. I just pray for best night's sleep tonight. In the name of Jesus, I just release that. And, and, and we just pray for this girl. Be free in the name of Jesus. I leave. I don't know what happens. I don't know where Joanna's at. God bless Joanna. But in that moment, I had no clue that she had night terrors. Is that a wild guess? Maybe. I don't think so. Two days later, we're walking through campus. I'm so fired up about, about that instance. Me and a buddy, we decide to fast lunch. Woo! And uh, as we're walking through, we see that by our main, uh, like our biggest auditorium, our, 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 it's, it's about 3,000 people. There's a crew setting up for a concert. Chance the Rapper was coming through. Sweet. I don't know who Chance the Rapper is at this point. And so, so these guys are like, oh, yeah, Chance the Rapper's coming through, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, sweet, man. And I just looked at those guys, and I was like, dude, I'm going to pray for those guys. Like, I don't care who the heck they are. And, and I think I, I, think I initially, when I think about the story, I think I initially hesitated. But I just, I, there was just something that I was like, these guys are human. Let's go. And I was like, what's up, guys? We start talking to them. They want nothing to do with us. Mom's like, yo, we're Christian. We love Jesus. We just want to pray for, you know, people. You know, kind of cuts the chase again. And these guys are like, um, yeah, why don't you just uh, pray for good health? Yeah. And I was like, sweet. All right, good health. I was like, Jesus, man, we just pray for these guys. Man. We just bless them. And again, I'm listening, praying out loud, but I'm really trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. 
And as I start praying for these guys, generic prayer, I feel like one of these guys has a bad back, one of them has a messed up knee, and one of them has a mother in the hospital. I conclude my prayer. I start praying into that. I conclude my prayer, and I say, um, did that resonate with any of you guys? And the guy's like, yeah, man, my back's messed up. He's like, yeah, my knee's messed up too. And they look at us, me and my buddy, and they say, so y'all real Christians, huh? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man. Jesus changed my life, man. You know, I, I grew a Christian. This is the whole story. I grew a Christian, but Jesus is never real until I start sharing my story. I can't make these things up. You can't, you can't make these things up. But God loves people so much, and he loves your family, he loves your friends, he loves your campus more than you do. And he, and he desires to use each one of you in a mighty way to touch these campuses. We can't do it alone, though. And so uh, tomorrow we're going to have a, a time to seek the Lord and just ask him, God, come upon me with power. I thank you for your infilling. I thank you that I'm a son. One last thing to conclude is, is, is you know, um, these are opportunities. Weekends like these are opportunities to seek God. When I think of opportunities, all of us in here who know Jesus, we are sons and we are daughters. Um, and, and I like it to the idea of me waking up one day from a nap, I'm at home, and my parents say, hey, we're going to go to the movies. I say, I'm straight. I don't want to go to the movies. No worries. They leave. Two hours later, they come back, and they start talking about, yo, the movies were great. Spider-Man was phenomenal. Everyone dies. I'm just kidding. And, 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 and they start talking about you know, how awesome it was. The food was great. Man, it was so much fun. Let's do that again. Yeah. And I say to myself, dang it. I missed out. There was an opportunity, an invitation, something was presented, and I missed out. Am I less of a son in that moment because I missed out? No. Do I have a room in the house? Yeah. Am I going to get fed? Yes. But did I miss out? Yeah, I missed out. There are moments in, in conferences like this where God wants to do something. Scripture says, seek God while he may be found. And, 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 and I would implore you, don't worry about what your friends are doing, what your friends are thinking, who you came with, what you're, what you're thinking about, you know, with regards to your mission. Seek God while he may be found. There are opportunities to know him in this lifetime. I don't want to miss out. You won't be less of a son, more of a son, if, if you see that or you do this, but there are opportunities to know deeper. I want to know him. So let me pray for you guys, and then, and then we'll, we'll head on out of here. Jesus, God, we just thank you for who you are, Lord. And Lord, I just ask that all of you would be known to us, God, in this lifetime, God, that we would that we'd have a, just a, a greater understanding of, of who you are, God, if that's possible. Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to come upon us in this room, God, for each and every person in this room, God, to have a genuine encounter with you this weekend. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall on these individuals, God, in this room or in their uh, hotel room, on the bus, on the way back, God, that it would be undeniable, God, that you have marked each one of these students. But I thank you for Gen Z, and that Gen Z is going to win back, God, the, the heart of America unto you. And God, we, we beg of you, Lord, would you touch this generation with your Holy Spirit? We love you, Jesus. We commission this crew out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tomorrow it's going to be 10 to 12. 10 to 12. Love you guys. See you tomorrow.